James chapter 5, we're concluding the series on functional faith. I don't know about you, I said this from the very beginning of the series, but I do not need a faith that only works on Sunday morning. How about you? I need a faith that works on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, every day of the year. How many need that kind of faith? You know, I, I, I need one that works all the time gets me through all the storms of life. And so James tells us this in so many practical ways. And he finishes his book, uh, his writing, uh, about this functional faith in an incredible way. And so I'm so anxious for what God's going to do through this message here this morning. In verse 7, here's what it says. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Uh, we need to be patient. I want to talk to you about patience and prayer. Uh, the word for patience that's used there is another word that's used in the Bible called long-suffering. Has anybody ever heard of long-suffering? You know, uh, and, and you may say, well, uh, what's long-suffering? Uh, I think that's suffering long. <laughs> you know, and that could be true. Uh, that could be an interpretation of long-suffering, but it's a little bit more than that. Uh, it's this continual uh, suffering that happens, but in the meantime, uh, there's a positive thing that's going on. It's not just hanging by a thread. It's just not just barely hanging in there. Uh, long-suffering, actually, Paul talks about this, that it's a fruit of the Spirit, that one of the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit uh, that God gives to us is long-suffering. In other words, it's more than you just hanging in there. I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody and, and you've asked them, Hey, how you doing? And they say, Uh, hanging in there. Anybody ever say that? Or you ever heard that? Hanging in there. And, and, and listen, God wants to come alongside of us in supernatural power through the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is to help you to have long-suffering. In other words, to not just hang in there. To not just barely hang on, but to do so in a very powerful way through the surging power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think anywhere is this more important than when James talks about the coming of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church like I did or not, but I've been hearing about the coming of the Lord for a long time. A long time. Okay. As a matter of fact, as long as I can remember. I, I mean, way back. I can remember hearing about Jesus is coming soon. He is coming. He could come today. He could come morning, noon, or night. Jesus is, is about to come back. Jesus is coming soon. Anybody remember that? Anybody hear that? Yeah. And, and, and so here's the thing. It's like, where is he? I don't know about you, but I, I, I thought he's, he should have come already. If he'd asked me, you know. If he said, uh, Craig, when would you like me to come back? It already would have happened. How many are with me on that? Only, only thing was, is when I was a hormone-filled teenager, I was like, God, don't come back until I get married. 
Okay, you weren't that way. I'm sorry, you were more spiritual than I was. So, so I, but that, that was kind of a thing. I was kind of like, ah, oh, I kind of want to experience marriage and, and what that's like. And, and, and so the thing is, is, is James says, just because he hasn't come yet doesn't mean he's not coming. And, and we're closer now than we were before. So at any moment in time, he could come back. And to help us to understand this and to understand patience, because some of us need some help in this area, right? When it comes to patience. Uh, he gives us three examples. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like examples. You know, I, I remember math class. And in the math book we had, there would be an example of how to do this formula. Didn't mean I knew how to do it after that, but you know, I, it was nice to see an example, right? And, and you could look back at the examples, oh, okay, that's what's going on with that fraction. That, uh, okay, that's what they did with the decimal there. Okay, okay, I get that. And, and so you could kind of catch on. Well, to help us catch on to how to be better with patience and more filled with the spirit of long-suffering through the Holy Spirit... He shares with us three examples. And so here's the first one, is the faith of a farmer. All right? He's going to show us the faith of a farmer. We had one person who does farming in the first service. Is there anybody in this service that farms? Okay, one person at Crossroads does any kind of farming. Okay. So, so that, that's all right. Uh, thank God for every farmer. I don't know about you, but I like to eat. <laughs> oh, I praise God for every farmer, right? Uh, but the thing is, is for those of us who aren't farmers, we've we got to kind of relate to a farmer. And here, here's what James is relating to us. The faith of a farmer, you know, the patience. Because the farmer goes out and he puts the seed in. And he fertilizes and everything. And then, you know, after that, he prays for the rain to happen. And he doesn't go out the next day, you know, after he put the seed in the ground the day before. He doesn't get up in the morning and go out there and say, Hello, where's my growth, you know? Where, where, I don't see anything happening. Boy, this is a disaster. Is that what he does? No, he doesn't go out the next day and say, well, I thought by now. Been two days, you know. Been three days. It's been four days. Look at it. Doesn't even look any different. Looks the same. Does he get all discouraged and say, well, what kind of farmer am I? You know, this, this isn't happening. This, this is a mess. This isn't working at all. No, he doesn't do that because he has faith to believe that something's still going to happen even though he cannot see it. Look at this, what he says about the farmer in verse 7 and 8. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Now, we get rain here off and on throughout the whole year, but in that part of the world, mainly they had two big rains that would come to help the crops to grow. The autumn and spring rain. And he says, you too be patient and stand 
firm, and he comes back to this, because the Lord's coming is near. I know people are going to say, well, he's not arrived yet, you know, he's never going to come, but he says, look at the farmer. The farmer does not hang it up. The farmer doesn't say, it's been a week, and nothing's going on. No, the farmer, even if people say, oh, I don't think you got good seed. I, don't th- I think something had happened by now. He doesn't say, you don't understand. He, he doesn't give in to that. He, he, he's unshakable in his faith, right? He's unshakable in his faith because he believes that even though his eye cannot see, there's still something going on he cannot see. And likewise, James is encouraging us in faith. Faith is not when you already see it. Faith is when you don't see it. And you still believe. And you still feel it's going to happen. And it's going to take place. And he says, that's how the coming of the Lord is. You can feel like, well, he's not come back yet. And he says, yeah, but if you have a hopeful and heavenly perspective, it'll impact your life. It'll change your life because the farmer's not concerned that it didn't happen today. He still believes something's at work. And in verse 9, he gives us some help because there's some distractions that can happen in the world. How many know that? Uh, you, you can get distractions that take you off of Jesus is coming back, right? Anybody ever had that happen? You kind of lose sight of that and lose sight of, oh yeah, Jesus come back today. And so he says, here, let me just get real practical. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Again, he's about to come back. He could come back at any moment in time. You just don't even know when he might come back. But how many know that grudges and judges can mess you up? Right? Now, I know that's other people who struggle in that area, right? That's not you. Uh, sitting here today, but there are people, you know some, who have struggles with grudges, you know, and he says, hey, 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 before you take that grudge into the next 10 years of your marriage, before you take that grudge into the next week of your employment, before you take that grudge into the next season of your life against that person, Before you do that, understand that the judge, the judge, the judge is at the door. And so what you need to do is just because of that, just let that grudge go, right? And before you go judging somebody else and saying, hey, you know, I'm getting cheated here and I'm not getting my fair share and, you know, they're running up the score on me and it ain't right that, you know, they're messing with me and this is happening in my life and it's just not fair. Before you go there, he said, understand that the judge, the judge is at the door. And here's what that does. It frees you up from being the judge. Right? You don't have to be the judge. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't have to be the judge. You don't have to be the judge. Yeah, you, you don't have to. You don't have to. Because there, there's already a judge, all right? And the judge is coming, and the judge will set the record straight. 
Now, that ought to just help somebody right now to get free, all right? Just because you just let go of that grudge, let go of all the judging and everything, and just understand that Jesus will settle the score when he returns. And that may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but like the farmer, it's happening. It's on its way. Look at verse 10, what he says. We're going to go through this whole chapter. It's awesome. Verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, let me tell you something. I know you got hang-ups and problems, and, you know, your nails didn't turn out right at the salon. And, um, you know, and I know, you know, your car didn't, it's not as nice as the neighbor's car. And, you know, you, you got issues and things going on in your life and whatever. But, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's not even talking about, you know, man, we're just, we got some bills we can't hardly pay and whatever. He's, he's not talking about that, okay? Not, not to belittle those things. But who he's talking to right now is he's talking to the brothers and sisters who are getting boiled alive because they're Jesus followers. That's what's going on, okay? They're getting crucified. They're getting run through with the sword because they're a Christian. So here's what he says. Pull that back up. Brothers and sisters, in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So, so here's what you need to do. You need to shift your perspective because as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. He says, you, you got to shift your perspective. How many know it's, it's big if you can shift your perspective today? Right, Because sometimes we look at things in the wrong light. Some of us, we, we get the perspective wrong, and then we just think it's all, you know, consuming and everything. But he says, you know, what you need to do is you need to look to others. Because here's the deal. Here's how we do this. Many of us are real good at looking at others. We're real good at this. American people are really great at comparing themselves to other people on Facebook. And other social media. And here, here's what's bad about that is we compare our behind the scenes to their, you know, fixed up, filtered lives that they post out on social media. And, and so then we say, or we just, we can even look across the street and say, neighbor's got a new car. And we got this junker, you know, it's five years old now, you know. And, and that's amazing. You know, we, we need to upgrade. Or, or my friend, he's got the newest, latest technology in his living room. It's awesome. You know, it feels like you're at the game. You know, the whole house is vibrating. He had to replace some of his siding because the subwoofer was so powerful. And, and, and we get to doing that, and, and we'll say, oh, you know, I, I need a three-car garage because I only have a two-car garage. You know, and, and we start, we compare ourselves, right, to other people. And, and here's what happens, then you have a perspective. You have that perspective when you compare yourself to other people. But here's what I want to invite you to do, to go beyond the coast of Florida, all right, and go across the water and come with me on a missions trip 
to the Dominican Republic. And let's walk down some streets that are just dirt. And let's, let's walk back into the woods and let's walk to what you think it might be a fallen down shed and find out that it's a house for a family of six people who live in there on a concrete slab and a tin roof and the dividers for bedrooms are made of sheet. It's like sheets that you would have in your house on your bed. And, and they cook on open fire and their washing machine is a plastic pool that somehow they got a hold of out in the front yard. And they feel good because they got a pool to wash your clothes in. And they offer you a chair to sit in, and it's this plastic chair that maybe you might have. Some of you, you it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be good enough to put on your back deck because maybe one of the arms is broken off. And you sit down, and they're putting their best chair out in front of you to sit down with them and, and, and have a visit with them in their home. Let me tell you something. That changes your perspective. Because you sit there and say, how in the world could I ever complain about anything in my life? How could I ever dare talk about what I need and don't have in my life when I'm surrounded by this? And these people are happier than people I know back home. Hello? You can go with us to Peru next year on a missions trip. We're getting ready to get a group together to do that. And you'll see that. It'll change your whole perspective. So he says, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to look at people who have endured worse than you. But they didn't just endure, just hanging in there. They endured until happy came into their lives. Like Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was on the cross. In the book of Hebrews says... And he hung there, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy on the cross? A few moments ago, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because you feel isolated when you're going through some stuff. And you even question, you know, why would God allow this in my life? But then the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, for the joy set before him. See, if you have a perspective just on the cross, if you just have a perspective on just what's going on in your life, you have that perspective. But when you get a different perspective, you get a heavenly perspective. And Jesus looked forward to Avon, Indiana, and he saw hundreds of people that would gather on a Sunday morning 2,000 years from now and worship Jesus and lift their hands and praise Him and give Him glory and honor who would be filled with the power of His Holy Spirit and not just us, but millions of gatherings all across the world today who lift up the name of Jesus. That brought joy to Him. See, that brought joy into His life. So, so here's the next one. Here's the next. I gotta speed this up. You guys gotta listen faster, okay? Uh, the endurance, the endurance of Job. All right, the endurance of Job. And in verse eleven, here's what he says about the endurance of Job. He says, "You have heard of Job's perseverance." Now, how many of you have heard of Job? Have you ever heard of Job? 
Okay, quite a few. Uh, if you've not heard Job, Job's in the Bible. He's in the Old Testament, and he wrote uh, his, everything that happened in his life. And let me tell you something. If you go home this afternoon and read about his life, you'll feel good about yours. Okay, I guarantee it. You, I don't care what's going on in your life. You'll feel good about what's going on in your life. You've heard of Job's perseverance and how, have seen what the Lord finally brought about because he, he miraculously turned his life around. It's an incredible story. And the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And here's what he says. He says he did not just hang in there. He didn't just hang in there. When you read the book of Job, what you find is he had sores from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. In horrific pain, his family has deserted him or they've died. And, and his money's gone. Everything's gone. Everything seems to be taken from him. And he's left there alone, it seems like. And he has people who come around and say, you know, what kind of sin did you do, man? You got all this going on in your life. So if you didn't feel already bad enough, how many can have some friends that come... Friends that come along and make you feel worse. You know? And, and, and so he has this going on. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God, give us some people at Crossroads Church who don't just serve God because you got a couple or three nice cars and you got a nice house and you can go anywhere you want to eat today and you can wear anything you want to wear, maybe to a limit or whatever, and, and, and aren't just serving God because everything's up and going good and whatever, up and to the right, you know, on the, on the graph. But instead, God give us some people who it doesn't make any difference if the car starts or not. It doesn't make any difference if I've got a house or I don't. It doesn't make any difference if I've got a closet full of clothes or not. It makes no difference. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I will trust him. And, and listen, here's what he did. He just hung on till happy came back. That's what he did. Because you know what? Happy came back. Happy moved back in. And some of you, you need to hang in there until happy moves back in. So I, the enemy may say, throw away this marriage, just get a new one. It'd be easier to start over and whatever. And you need to hang in there till happy comes back. Some of you, you think, oh my gosh, my kids, they'll never turn around. They'll never serve God or whatever. But you need to hang in there, keep trusting, keep believing till happy comes back. Your health may be deteriorating and it seems like you get one bad report after another bad report and you feel worse by the week. But I'm telling you, you you hang in there till happy comes back. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's what we do. That's what we do. And James says, it's not going to last forever. You know, people were coming around to, to Job and say, just curse God and die. Matter of fact, that was his wife. Said, hang it up, honey. It ain't working for you. And he's like, I, I'm not doing that. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. I was praising him when I had everything. Why shouldn't I praise him when I don't have anything? I'll praise him every day. I'll praise him regardless of what's going on in my life. And how many of you know, you can have people who come around you say all kinds of stupid stuff. And what you've got to do is just 
tune that out and get the heavenly perspective that one day Jesus is going to come back, James says. So just keep your eye on that. Don't worry about if I'm getting ahead or that person's getting ahead or comparing yourself to things. Instead, realize that there's only one thing worse than waiting on God. And that's not waiting on God. Mm. Because I'll tell you, the biggest regrets of your life and mine will be when we didn't wait on God. Verse 12, he's got to come back to the tongue, doesn't he? Because our tongue, how many know your tongue is an issue, right? Okay, verse 12, verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. Well, there's a verse for somebody, right? Honey, there's your verse. One couple, first service, I think she bruised him on, you know, anyway. Uh, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or, or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Just real quick here, uh, you know, how many know when you're patiently waiting or sometimes impatiently waiting, it's easy for your tongue to get twisted and in a mess? And sometimes you wish you were here, but you're here. And so you just kind of try to exaggerate your way up. And your tongue gets in the way. And James says, don't let your tongue get in the way. Yeah, I'm coming back to this. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the tongue again, he says, because you say things that aren't so. And what you need to do is tell the truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And if you'll do that, you don't have to have good memory, right? Everybody knows that. Okay. So then in verse 10, or verse 12, you know, he talks about this. You know, watch your words. When you get impatient, you say things. In verse 13, here's what he says. He says, and is anyone among you in trouble? Here's three things your tongue should do. He says, let them pray. Not complain, right? If you're in trouble, he didn't say, well, let them complain. Just let them gripe. Let them moan. No. He says, let them pray. Take your tongue and pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. That's why we come in this place and sing, because we're happy. You see, our sins have been redeemed. We've been washed. We've been cleansed. Our lives have been restored. We're not what we used to be, but we're not what we want to be. But thank God, God's taken us on a journey. It won't be long. We'll be in heaven one day. And so in the meantime, we will praise him. We will raise our hands. We'll clap our hands. Yeah, some people may think we're extreme, but that's okay. Because they just don't know what God's done in our lives to set us free. Amen. So, is anyone among you sick? Here, here's what the sick person needs to do. Let them call the elders of the church. So, so three things, and none of them involve griping, complaining, or moaning, or posting stuff. Okay? We're to pray, to sing, and if it gets bad enough, call. Call somebody else and say, you pray. 
I've been praying, I've been singing, I've been doing all I can do. Now you come, pray. And, and we have oil here. Let me, let me talk about verse 14. He says, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil. Verse 15. And let them, uh, in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. And who's going to raise them up? The Lord. See, some people, oh, I need Pastor Craig to pray, you know. Or I need Aunt Susie. Lord, she can pray, you know, and she may be able to pray or whatever. But let me tell you something. It doesn't take Aunt Susie, and it doesn't take Pastor Craig. It just takes somebody. If somebody will pray with faith and anoint with oil. Now, there's nothing special about the oil. There's nothing special about the prayer. There's nothing special about the person. The Lord is who raises them up. The Lord's who heals them. The oil that we have down front that you can ask for. You can ask for somebody to anoint you with oil. The oil in the Bible is just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And what you're saying is, I want the touch of the Holy Spirit on me. I need some Holy Spirit on me. And some of you may want to dump the bottle on your head, you know. You say, I, 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 a dab ain't going to do me, you know. <laughs> I need it all. But, but as we do that, as we pray, it's not about the prayer. It's not about the oil. It's not about the location. It's not about any of that stuff. It's just the prayer of faith. I believe, I trust that something's going to happen. And in verse 16, he says, he throws this in. He says, I'll tell you what else you can do with your tongue. You can confess your faults to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, let me tell you something. Many of us would rather confess our sins and our stuff to somebody in a little booth next door to us. You know? And, and talk through a little hole and, and say, you know, hey, I messed up. I told somebody whatever. And all. that's a whole lot easier than go to the person. And the Bible says... I'll tell you what will heal you is go to them. Go to them. It's easy to tell someone. Or, or put it out on Facebook. Oh, you know how we can all mess up? You know, we can sometimes say stuff we don't mean to. And everybody's like, what are they talking about? Who are they talking about? What, what is that? And the Bible says, don't, don't post stuff on Facebook and think, well, that that." Took care of it, you know. Bible said, no, you go over and you tell that person eyeball to eyeball that you offended, that you hurt, and you go make it right. And when you do, you'll be healed. Say, you'll be healed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he says it's powerful. Now, here's the last example. i got to cover this one real quick so everybody believe for a miracle. Okay, here it is. The third one is the example of Elijah. The example of Elijah. In verse 17, he talks about Elijah. Here's what he says. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. He, he says, you know, Elijah seems so strong. He's like this prophet who calls fire down from heaven. That's, whoa. But then next thing you know, 
If you read about him in 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, 19, if you read about it and read the story, the next thing you know, he's on the run from a woman. She's got him spooked. Her name's Jezebel. And so he's all freaked out. I'm the only one, you know. And God says, no, you're not. I got thousands who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And so here, here, here's what you need to do. And so the Bible says in verse 18, or excuse me, in chapter 18, verse 42, it says that he prayed earnestly. He got down and, and somehow put his head between his knees. Now, I don't know if some kind of yoga prayer or, or what, you know, or squat thing or whatever, but he prayed that it, that it would rain, that it would come a rain. Stanley, can you help me, man? Yeah, that's what you get for sitting in the front row, okay? So come on up. You help me out. Yeah. Okay, so, so Elijah, Elijah says, it's, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. And it's three and a half years. It's not rained a drop. It's a horrible drought in the whole land. And he says, man, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get my prayer pose here, you know, that I like to do, and, and I'm going to pray, and you go check. Okay, so you, you go. You go check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so he gets down, I don't know, somehow gets his head between his knees, and, and then he, he prays. He says, hey, come on back. Hey, come on back. Uh, Stanley, what would what, what, you see out there? Huh? I seen everything. Oh, okay, did you see rain? Yeah. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. No. Oh, I didn't. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't yeah. see rain. See, we didn't set this up ahead of time. So... Say, so you didn't see anything? Nothing, see nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, okay, I'm going to pray again. You, you check again. You go, you go. All right. All right. All right. Hey, 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 come on back. What did what, you see this time? The second time you've been out. What did you see this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go on back. I'm going to pray again. All right, all right. He said, hey, come on back. Come on back. What did you see this time? Yeah, yeah, he didn't see anything. Seven times. How many have some people in your life, you're praying and praying and praying, and they're like, nothing's happening. It's like you already feel bad enough, and then you got them, you know, to encourage you in the Lord. And so, you know, he comes, finally, seven times, it's interesting, you know, I don't have time to go into seven today, uh, times of completion and everything, but I'm telling you, what, what it matters is on the seventh time, he says, okay, go back out. And he, and he prays again, earnestly, and he said, come on back, come on back, what did what, you see this time? You, 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 saw, you saw a little, a little cloud? Right, a little yeah, cloud. a little cloud, all right, yeah, 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 just a little cloud, huh? Just a, little, just a little bitty thing, huh? Okay, okay. You go, you go, tell the king it's getting ready to rain. All right, all right. Come on, give him a hand. All right. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You got people in your life that say, well, it's just a little thing, it's just a little cloud. It's not much, you know, it's not much that's happening, uh, and, all. And, and, and you could be discouraged about that, but, but not Elijah. Elijah's eyes were not on what he could see, because listen, some verses earlier, you can read the story later, he said, I hear the sound 
of the abundance of rain. See, he's like the farmer. He says, I see a field of corn. And everybody's like, I see dirt. Mm-hmm. Not me, right? Not me. And today, some of you may be tempted to give up on something that you've been praying for for a long, long time. Some of you, the devil has been telling you to quit, to give up, to forget it. There's no hope. It's never going to matter. It's just a little cloud. Don't get all hung up about that. It's barely even turned. Your kids, yeah, they didn't kick you out the last time you talked about Jesus, but that's just, that is just a start. Or, or yeah, you're, you felt good today, but you won't feel good tomorrow. You know, and, and you may feel tempted to give in and quit, but if you'll shift your perspective and get a heavenly perspective and say, I don't care what my eyes see, my ears hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I believe that God is about to send a storm. He's about to send something. My kids are coming back. My health is coming back. My marriage is turning around. It's just a matter of time. May God help us to be that kind of people. See, I'm talking about the kind of faith that's either crockpot faith or microwave faith. All right? How many know the difference? Like, like if I invite you over and I say, hey, would you like to come over Monday night for dinner? I'm going to cook something up in the microwave. Mmm, I think we're busy. Yeah. I may be busy. <laughs> but if I said, hey, 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 we can throw some stuff in the crock pot. Mmm, we can, you know, cook a thing all day, you know, and, and, and how would you like to come over for that? How many know there's a difference between the crock pot and the microwave? I'm talking about a God who right now may be cooking something up in your life and it's taking a little longer than you thought it would. He's cooking something up that's going to taste so good. It's going to be so awesome when it comes out. If you'll just hang in there, if you'll just wait a little bit longer, it's got a little bit more time than it needs to simmer, a little bit more time than it needs to cook up. But when it's done... It'll be well worth the wait. Hallelujah. Mm. How many know God's in this place today? God's encouraging somebody right now that was thinking about hanging it up, thinking about quitting, thinking about throwing in the towel, but God's telling you and I today, don't you dare give up just like Jesus came the first time, he's coming the second time. And just like he said he would, he will do what he's promised in your life as well. He will do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that today you want to encourage somebody in this place to not just hang on by a thread, but to have an overcoming faith. A faith that doesn't 
worry about what it sees in the natural, doesn't worry about what it can see with its eyes, but what it can hear in its spirit. God, I pray that you'll give us that faith today. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Craig, I want to have the kind of faith that endures, that stands, that having done all stands, that will not give up, will not quit, will not throw in the towel, that will continue believing, trusting, and overcoming day by day regardless of what the circumstances may look like. I want to have a faith that's strong, a planted upon the rock, the faith of a farmer that believes that one day the harvest will come. If you want a faith like that, shoot your hand up right now all over this room. Yeah, hands all over this room. Father in heaven, give us that kind of faith. The kind of faith that is unshakable, that will not be moved by circumstances, but will be unmovable by what comes our way. God, give us that firm foundation of faith in our lives this morning. Maybe others are here and you'd say, Craig, I I don't feel like I even have faith. Or maybe you're like James talks about in the last couple verses. He says that there's wanderers out there. People who have wandered away. And and if we'll bring them back, it'll be an awesome, awesome reward. And today... Maybe you're like a wanderer that I talked to after first service who's wandered for 20 years. Maybe it's not been 20 years for you. Maybe it's been two years. Or I don't know how long you've been out there wandering around, trying to figure life out on your own. But today, you feel like you want God to come into your life and you want a faith that can move mountains. You want a faith that can hang in there regardless of the storms that come your way. And if you need God here today, will you just say, yes, Craig, that's me. And by signifying to me, you'll just raise your hand right now and just say, yeah, yeah, I need that today. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. No, hands over here. All right. Different hands around the room. All right. So let's just pray this prayer. Say, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me, to pay for my sin so I can be forgiven and free. As much as I know how, I surrender my life today. Thank you for coming in and becoming the Lord of my life from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, let's welcome those who prayed that prayer.